is Justin Fields, the week one starter. The Sox and Cubs are division leaders as they enter June, and we power rank our top five favorite Bears players of all time. All of that and more up next on the Team Bear Sports Podcast. Lego. So this is episode one of the Team Bear podcast. Uh, I'm Kevin. Uh, let me just throw it to Jackson. Go ahead and introduce yourself, and then we'll move it on to our, the other uh, co-host. Hey, everybody. I'm Jackson. All right. That's it, huh? Yeah. That's, that's it. That's it. Right, that's <laughs> all, you know, 35 seconds in, and you're already starting. <laughs> He's Jack. He's he's gonna be. He's well, no, nah, I was Prince. gonna I, I was gonna say something, but I guess uh, hey, I'm the third co-host, Tim. All right, so we. That's are a all... great intro. <laughs> I'm Jack. He's he's gonna he's gonna be Prince, and you know, going by one name the rest of his life now. That's perfect. Uh, but so basically, we've been friends for a long time. We've we've been college roommates, um, and I feel like I should throw it to Jackson to kind of explain why we decided to call this the Team Bear Podcast. Yeah, so in seventh grade, I started a discussion with my friends um, who would win in a fight, a bear or a gorilla. And the only right answer is a bear. I'm not going to get into the science of it. You can do your own research. But a bear is a superior animal. And... You know, throughout my life, you you bring this up at college parties or bars or people you work with. And this is like an intense debate. So one day I woke up. I noticed I had a Twitter notification from Team Bear Podcast. Um, I texted my buddy, Kevin, right away because I knew he he did this. And he texted me back saying, yes, 100% I did this. So this podcast is dedicated to bears. And more importantly, Chicago sports and the Chicago Bears itself. And, you know, we've always joked around about wanting to start a podcast. And uh, here we are doing it. I mean, it pretty much hit the nail on the head there. I would say just to summarize that, what you just said, it's a we love the animal bears because they're the most dominant species, you know, in all the animal kingdom. And, and gorillas aren't. Yeah, and gorillas are just, you know, they, they eat plants. Animals. They eat plants. Gorillas are so stupid, they had to evolve into being human beings and have plans and all this. This is the this is the podcast that will show you that what we are about because I get a text randomly on Saturday morning. Hey, we're doing this. And I didn't even think it was legit or real until, sure enough, here we are. Here we are doing it. So let's go. Team Bear, baby. There you go. Team Bear, best animals, best football team in the NFL. And, you know, you know, we got our other Chicago sports and sports news that we're going to dabble in throughout the way. Um, so, first of all, you know, this is our first one. Are we, are we drinking tonight? I'm not drinking anything special. I'm drinking some Target brand sparkling water. I have a uh, dragonberry or dragon fruit pomegranate mixture. And if that one goes, goes away, which I'm sure it will, I'll drink that. And I'll have a coconut pineapple cracked and on deck ready to go because if I have an actual – alcoholic beverage i will probably fall asleep as we do this so uh tim what, what are you uh sipping on tonight if you I, are i broke i broke out the maker's mark Ooh, Ooh, I, feel 
That's nice. very fancy, fancy. Jack? I am drinking uh, this rye whiskey I got at um, Benny's, which is a booze star in the Chicagoland area, um, called Lead Slingers. It's got this cool marine on it. Uh, it is fantastic. Um, it's one of the best whiskeys I've had in a long time. I think we should definitely tweet at them for their support. Um because it's really cool. No and free I'm a- ads, dude. No free ads. <laughs> yeah, they got to come to us. They got to come to us. Okay. All right. I didn't know how that worked. I didn't. But anyway, I'm a big sucker for cool designs on bottles. Uh, and this one has a marine on it, like with a band net. You know, it's cool. Well, there you go. That's what we're all uh, sipping on tonight. So I guess we get, we have to uh, lean in and start out the podcast with, you know, the best our favorite sports team, the best sports team in Chicago, even if that's not really true currently, but the Chicago Bears, we love them, even if they're trash, if they're great. I just want to know, what are your general expectations? I'll throw this to Tim first. What are your general expectations of the Chicago Bears this season? You can, you know, whether it's the trailer draft picks, what you expect from their season. I feel like we'll have another episode where we kind of go down through each season and kind of give give our prediction of the record. We'll probably save that for a different episode. But what are your just kind of general expectations of the season so far? Well, we're at the 100-day mark, are we? Did I see that, that it was 100 days to the start of the NFL season yesterday? So probably about 101 or whatever to the Bears play. General expectations running right out the gate with the Rams, obviously, you know, and I know we're about to talk about this, but it's just going to be who's under center, who's talking, who we got. Is, is it Fields? Is it Dalton? What's going on? Because that's going to set the tone for what I'm going to be, you know, like what am I going to be drinking that night? What am I going to be expecting? If the Red Rocket's going out, like I'm just there to, for the laughs. I'm there for the, the lulls. I'm there for the close-ups of, you know, the zoom in on number one. If number one's starting, then, you know, I obviously probably not the best thing for our franchise, but God dang, I mean, I'll start drinking at 10 a.m. that more that that Sunday, so it'll be fun, fun time. But Bears, man, I I mean, obviously, how can't how can't you not be hyped? I mean, now getting a guy that we all consider, you know, someone that can be a quarterback for this team, at least if we're just absolute trash at the beginning of the season, at least we can have something to root for. At least we have something to look at. There you go. I, I, I kind of feel the same way, and I'll throw it to you in a sec, Jack. But uh, So my general expectations, I just actually saw this on the pair of subreddit before we recorded this, that uh, Newsom broke his collarbone, so he's out for at least eight weeks. It was a clean break, Wonderful. I think I saw. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. He, he, should be back. he should be back by uh, training camp, they're saying. Yeah, I know, he's, I know he's kind of expected to be return guy, you know, probably a fourth option wide receiver or something like that. But, you know, you never want to see injuries. Um, But I'm kind of on the same boat as you. It's basically my general expectations of what I'm expecting of the season all just rely on who, like you said, is under center. Is it going to be Fields? Is it going to be Dalton? I don't know what Nick Foles is doing. Is he just, you know, still scamming people, whatever that uh, racket he was running? uh, I don't know what that was, but in the news the other uh, other month or so ago, whatever. But, uh, yeah. Basically, if Justin Fields is our quarterback, I'm going to be way more hyped for games. It'd be more, way more upset if we lose, way more like high if we win games. Uh, like if it's Dalton, 
you know, you're just kind of like waiting to see, okay, when when's, when's he going to mess up enough for Fields to be on the field? Fields to be on the field. Um, you know, I'm not expecting, like I said, we'll probably do like a breakdown of what we think their records are in a later episode, but I'm not expecting them to be, you know, a 12 and 4 team, you know, I'm kind of expecting similar 8 and 8, 9 and, or I guess it's not 8 and 8. It's yeah, it's 17 now. Yeah. 9 and, nine and 8. Is that the new, like, can't well, we- no, knowing the Bears, they'll, they'll weasel themselves to an 8, 8 and 1, um, you know, yeah, schedule. So, but, so yeah. I'm, ex- I'm expecting to be middle of the pack. I'm not going to blow anyone away, but you never know. NFL, any sports league, you know, that it's just kind of. You know, you never know what to expect, and you know, with injuries and all that. So, I'm just hyped for Justin Fields when he, you know, takes a snap under center. Um, Jack, what are your thoughts on the Bears, kind of, so far? Um, you know, it about a month ago, month and a half ago, I was just so locked in on the Bears. Right? It is. They had their first two draft draft picks were home runs. Um. You know, like, they're still a young team. I think when, when they got fields, their window shifted a little bit. It's it's not as probably as immediate as it would have been, like, maybe a year or two ago when, you know, we thought Mitch was going to develop a little bit better. And then 2019, 2020 happened, and Mitch did not get better. Um, but I think with fields, it extends opportunity. It like like what Tim said, you're like you feel like, oh shit! Like we have something to watch now on Sunday. Like this this is a homegrown quarterback. Um, he's a proven quarterback. You know, I think it, it depends on how training camp goes in OTAs. Um, obviously, losing Newsom or Daz Newsom today doesn't help. Um, I think the one thing I'm going to be looking at is the offensive line play. Uh, they got better throughout the season are they going to be more um like locked in right i think the biggest question is how jenkins is going to produce he's moving over from a right tackle position that he played at Oki state and now he's playing left tackle he's going to be going against the biggest pass rushers if they don't feel that he's up to par yet i think he will be but if he's not up to par yet i don't want justin fields as a quarterback yet. Like, I, I don't want him to get teed off on, um, you know, Andy Dalton seems like a nice guy, but I'd rather have Andy Dalton getting hit than Justin Fields in the first two or three weeks until Jenkins really feels comfortable. And then we can start seeing that improvement. Does, does, does Ryan pace like, just like clowning on dudes. I mean, this is the second time that he just brings in this veteran quarterback. I mean, I guess you can't really say Glenn is a veteran quarterback, but like, puts him in the media, puts him on Instagram, hey, he's our QB1, just to get his, just to draft another guy right after. I mean, this is the second time. Does he just, like, it's get second off time on Second time in four this? years. Yeah, does he just get off on this or what? Like, hey, it, like, I mean, is, is Ryan Pace married? <laughs> I, I, I just, it, 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 that or his girlfriend will be like, look at what I'm going to go to do this guy. I, I, I just feel like with Pace, he's someone who's just never – comfortable what he has um like i appreciate that he wants to continuously build and grow but like how he builds and grows like was that really your best option to like really sign mike lennon 
Like, is that the best way you're going to disguise that? Like, oh, hey, we're going to draft a quarterback, but no, we're not because we just signed Mike fucking Glennon. Like, come on. I think with things like like those signings that Pace does, he thinks that he can turn he those. He get, yeah, he thinks he can turn those guys into you know something that they're not. You know, I get it with I get it with the draft picks. Like, I know. I was on board with the Shaheen pick. Tim, you were on board with the Shaheen pick. Jackson, you were from the beginning saying, oh, he's, no. He's a bust. He's a bust. He was a bust. I mean, he had, like, what, two catches for, like, 16 yards in his NFL career or something like that, a touchdown possibly. But I think that Ryan Pace just gets caught up with, like, I can turn these guys into something. Like, I put the – I hired this coaching staff. I have the guys around. They can, you know, turn into something that, you know, they weren't in the right situation. But because I did this, like you said, I'm – both him and Nagy are opposites, but they're also very similar in the sense that they're both very stubborn people. Like, Pace, like you said, like he gets a- attached to his guys or his gadgets, and he thinks that he can develop them and turn them into Pro Bowl <clears throat> elite players, and that's just not the case. Or he falls in love with someone in the draft and will overcompensate on that in the draft and, and sometimes cost you other draft picks or players when you're making these trades. And then with Nagy, Nagy will continuously be stubborn on the play calling, even if it's not working. Right? It, we know Nick Foles can't run and save his life to get out of a pocket, but they're going to keep trying to do the same thing, and it's going to get Nick Foles killed too. I see what so, you're saying, though, like how he, like, Pace, like, he loves who he has, whereas Nagy watches game film and, like, watches the other team and wishes he has what they have. Oh, 100%. 100%. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, come on. He came to a situation where he saw the development of Mahomes, right? He was in the room, practice room with him all the time, and... He knew that Mahomes was going to be a Pro Bowl or MVP Super Bowl t- caliber quarterback. And then you go to Chicago, which has, you know, a decent defense. But in today's NFL, you have to have a really good quarterback to win a Super Bowl. Right? You can't win a Super Bowl anymore with just an average quarterback. And you have Mitch Trubisky. And it's like, well, maybe I can make Mitch work. And, well, Mitch is in Buffalo. I just and I wonder think that- what that oh, – I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kev. Oh, no, no. Um, so I was just going to say, like, when you were saying that uh, Nagy kind of gets, you know, he gets cute with his play calling, he gets stubborn with it or whatever. I think a lot of that has to do with the quarterbacks he's been having to deal with. Like, I get it that he's not running the right plays for them, but, like, especially, like, I've noticed in the season when, you know, I'm on the Bears subreddit and, like, the game thread or whatever, or just, you know, talking to anyone who's watched the Bears game with two working eyeballs saying, like, we need to run the ball more. Well, it's like when you have Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky, Mike Glennon, who can't throw an accurate pass, you know, unless it's a little five-yard hitch route or whatever, you're going to stack the box. They're, they're not oh, going to be able to – you're not going to be yeah. able to run the ball. So it's like, how come Monty's not getting touches? How come, you know, Cohen's not getting touches? Well, you know, anytime they get the ball, they're going to get stuffed. You know, they have to – he has to really get cute in order to get a good running player to execute that just because of how horrible the quarterback play has been the last four or five years. And and let's, let's also be honest too. The offensive line play in the NFL is something that is not addressed, right? You, You don't see straight up run blocking anymore. It's very, the problem with the 
the one thing about the RPO, which it doesn't do a good job of, it doesn't teach linemen how to physically block as much anymore. You don't see them using their hands, using the lever. It's very much zone blocking, right, because you're doing that pass run option, so you, you don't want to, like, sell your card on the offensive line. And when you don't have a physical offensive line to begin with, defenses are going to get away with it. And, you know, for the past year and a half, now they struggled. Now, after like week 10, week 11, the offensive line got significantly better. But it's like, shit, if they were just a little bit better in between, you know, 6 and 11, week 6 and 11, you know, maybe this is a bear team last year that goes 12 and 4 instead of 8 and 8. Yeah. I mean, I, I just feel like that's why Pace is going to want to be patient. And Maggie, just is, since he's been looking at all these other things, he's not going to do the smart play. He's going to eventually, whether that's game one, game two, game three, he's going to be like, well, I have this. I have this Lamborghini in my garage. I want to use it. You know, whereas Pace learned, I think, a little bit from that Trubisky, like, let's wait, let's wait. Don't I don't have to trade up for this guy. We, yes, we traded up for Fields, but, you know, I'm texting Kev on draft night at, on, on pick six, trade up for him, trade up for him. It was nice to see Pace play that out a little bit, you know, yeah. because if he waits that out a little bit, he probably doesn't get him. So I just think that it, because Nagy is who he is, we'll see Fields earlier than, you know, we probably should. But you know what? If that's the worst thing and the Bears get to see something that we're pretty excited about, I'm happy with it. For sure. And just two more things before we kind of move the conversation on is that, you know, it was nice to see that this was, I feel like, the first draft that pace had where if he did make moves it didn't seem like it was like a reach or like he panicked or you know he definitely let the, he let the draft come to him whether it was the, whether it was the fields pick or the jenkins pick because i think i texted you guys saying you know if we were standing pat i wanted jenkins just because of how like ferocious he was and the fact that we were able to you know we had to do we had to make moves we had to trade up and you know get rid of i forgot what exactly everything we gave up but you know, not, you know, sell the farm four years down the road like some teams are doing. Like, you know, I don't think the Rams have a draft pick for the next 10 years or ten, first round draft pick for the next 10 years or something like that. Obviously, I'm being uh, a little bit overzealous there, but it was just nice to see Pace, let the draft come to him, make the moves that were good. Um, so, yeah, and then that was, I, like I said before, I think that we're definitely going to see, I agree with you, Tim, that we're going to see Fields early. I just hope that um, the compliments that Fields is getting from his teammates, like Montgomery, I think just came out with something today saying that he definitely shows leadership qualities, that they're not going to push him into a situation that's not right. Because, you know, mo- most of the times in any professional sport, anytime you're pushing a young player when they're not ready, it never ends out successfully. So not we'll see. The Bears. Not for the Bears. Not for the Bears. Not yeah. Really. Yeah. It's Usually it's a dumpster fire. Uh-huh. Now it's a, a, a franchise that hasn't gotten a position right. In my lifetime, but I, I yeah, and to be honest, probably more of our father's lifetimes too. Um, <laughs> I mean, they haven't had a real quarterback ever. Um, but I, I think I, I agree with both. Of you. I would not be surprised if Fields starts Week One. Yeah, and right? I, 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 I am almost betting that he will. It shouldn't happen, but it 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 it, will. it feels I mean, that way. Yeah, it feels it. it. 
It just feels that way. And then, you know, I mean, obviously, no one's going to be mad at it. We're just going to be mad at it for the longevity of this guy. That's what we're going to be mad at. We're just, because, and again. We, we might be wrong. Yeah, he might be I, the top dog. Maggie's the one that the one pl- positive I could say about him is like he's not gonna play. I mean, he would have done it differently last year, and he kind of changed it a little bit. But then you know he went back to his play calling. He doesn't really like he's not gonna read those things and look about his job being on the hot seat. Like because the best thing he can do is play Dalton for a little bit and then put in Fields right when we start kind of hiccuping a little bit because the NFL's a long season. It's longer than. It's going to be, I mean, it's an extra game now. Your best case to keep your job is to throw fields in right when we start to flounder, and then, boom, you keep your job. But I don't think, and that's the good thing about him, he doesn't care about that. He's just going to go, hey, I want this shiny Lamborghini in my garage. I want to to take it out. So, I mean, I'll tip my cap off to him on that for sure. Definitely. All right, so we kind of cover the next topic we were going to talk about in terms of, you know, do you think Fields has a chance to compete for the QB1 job, which definitely I think we all agree he does. It could even be by week one. Um, but the next thing we kind of have to discuss is that dude who's just been uh, – we've watched so many games where this guy has just tore up our defense, come back high on painkillers, given end-of-game interviews. Is Aaron Rodgers going to actually – leave the Green Bay Packers or is this all just smoke and mirrors and then we're going to watch him twice next year just destroy the Bears and it's just going to be that we know we know what's going to happen we know he's he's going to stay I mean why else would I mean I mean the only way he can he can leave now because he's not going to get traded is he is going to have to sit and retire and just give up 35 million dollars and get and no one's going to do that I mean the only I, I like to do that and to give up that kind of money would be like somebody who like, you know, just completely stops talking to all of his family after like one argument, you know, like I've not, I don't know anyone who could do that. Oh, wait a minute. That's Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Doesn't talk to his family anymore. <laughs> this guy's a complete wild card. The only thing you know that's guaranteed is he gonna co- he's going to come into Soldier Field and whoop our ass. But other than that, I don't think you could really, I don't think you could really say what he's going to do until he decides w- what's going to happen. So at least that's my take. I, I, no take. Jack, what are your thoughts? I mean, he has one Super Bowl to his legacy. He hasn't been in the Super Bowl since 2010, 2011. Um, I don't see a team that he goes to Hypothetically, if he were to walk away and he gets traded, which could happen, I, I personally don't think it will, um, they won't compete. If he goes to the Broncos, he doesn't have the weapons. He doesn't have a Devontae Adams, right? He doesn't have, you know, the, the relationship with Matt LaFleur seems to be really blossoming. He, he won't have that. Um it, you know, Riders might just be at the point where he just says, I, I want to get paid. I have a ring. But if I'm a Green Bay Packers fan, you're almost in a weird spot. Because, like, as much as Bear fans are pissed off at their situation with their organization with the lack of developing a quarterback, to have only two Super Bowl wins 
from Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. That's insane. Like, those are arguably two of the top five greatest quarterbacks of all time. And, you know, the, the Packers have done him dirty. They haven't drafted well. They haven't drafted, you know, good running backs or good wide receivers. Um, you know, they've hit other needs and they've hit other parts of the draft that has turned out well for them. But can you imagine if they got, like, another top 15, top 20 wide receiver to go with Devontae Adams to give Aaron Rodgers? I prefer not to think about that, but... Uh, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I get both sides. If, if I'm a Packer fan, um, you're almost in a weird situation. Because you're like, I don't blame Aaron Rodgers for leaving because you're not doing anything to help us win. And then... But at the same time, Aaron, if you're going to Vegas, you're nowhere or Vegas or Denver or whatever. What were the other cities that they were talking about? I know those were the big two. San Fran, possibly. I think. San that Fran. One. Okay, San Fran would be a game changer. Yeah, I think San Fran last year was just banged up. Uh, you put Rodgers and San Fran. Yeah, they can win. 12 to 13 games right there the only play the only play was la for him that was the the, the one and only play and obviously that door's closed so i think that was the i think that was legitimately gonna happen but it just i think they closed the door on it yeah so my, basically my take on this is that it's a cute news story like it, it caught a lot of headlines obviously because it was i think the story was released on draft day was that am i mistaken there? yeah it's about Adam five Adam. hours it's about out five right. hours before yeah i think yeah i think you're right timmy that shefty tweeted that on draft day and that it's a it creates buzz but like until i see something legit that he's like he's holding up until he's not even he's holding up the jersey, like, you know, like when you sign with the team, they do the press conference, you hold the jersey. Until he takes a field and takes, like, a regular season snap, I'm still going to believe that Aaron Rodgers is going gonna, is gonna to line up against the Bears when we play him. I, I just – it's I, hard, I can't, hard for I, me. I really can't that. see it. I, I really can't. Like, I, I, I hope it does. Well, yeah, at one bajillion percent. And, and, and let's, let's talk about that. Hypothetically, if Rodgers leaves – the NFC North is wide open. Right? It's sure, a two are you sure the Lions don't just take that spot? Ah, uh, you know. <laughs> Until they win on Thanksgiving, I'm not worried about the Lions. Jared Goff, he's... Uh, I'm excited to play him twice a year. I'll just say that. He has beaten us the past two years, though. It, with a... Completely different team. Completely a different team, yeah. Uh, the one thing I will say about the all this speculation about him leaving is seeing people post Jordan Love highlight tape where it's just him taking snaps in a red jersey at training camp and then the video ends. That's been the best part of the entire drama from Aaron Rodgers, just seeing that those I almost feel bad for the trolling. guy, but, you know, that, that, that franchise deserves mediocrity at that position just deserves it and that's a, just kind of the thing that we just cannot do for fields i mean obviously we pushed trubisky out and within good reason i mean the guy just didn't you know didn't have it but you know if fields is just anything remotely good just good i'm not even talking about great just good he'll get the red carpet in chicago 
I mean, you, you, I mean, we would be kicking ourselves if 15 years down the road, you know, 10 years down the road, uh, you know, if we're if we have this guy who's playing like Rogers level or even just good, and we just let him go in Chicago, we're not gonna let a quarterback go here. Have his, have his best wide receiver be uh, Moose and Muhammad like, where it's just like, <laughs> oh man, five years past his prime. I'm sure I'm sure we'll probably sign when Fields is going into his prime. We'll probably sign someone like OBJ who's like 36 and has just like coming off another ACL surgery or something like that. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, so the, the last thing that we kind of had written down for uh, bears news is that that report that the McCaskies are possibly going to be selling the team in the near future. I don't, I don't know how legit that is, but if you had to, if you had the keys to the bears kingdom, who are you signing or who are you going to have be the new owner of the Chicago bears? Easy. Me. First order of business, I'm getting that guy who got the crocodile out of the swamp to get Ted Phillips out the office. What was his name, Jackson? <laughs> Hi. What's the, what's the crocodile guy? Was, I don't know, but he got, talk about the red carpet he got. He got an alligator out of uh, Humble Park. Alligator, or, alligator Rob, wasn't it? Rob or Rick. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's who I'm hiring. Think about it. He got he got he got a ten pound alligator out of some lake in <laughs> Humble Park, and they made him throw out the first pitch at Wrigley. <laughs> they gave him pizza dinners and steak dinners to for getting a ten pound alligator out. Yeah. If you got Ted Phillips out of town, they'd build a statue right yeah, on Michigan Avenue. He gets it, and I would be the best owner in Bears history. I mean, yeah. easy. I wouldn't have to do anything else. That's it. I would have already, you know. I've already beaten Virginia's legacy right there. I mean, one side note: the fact that Chance Chance the Snapper does not is not living in Brookfield Zoo or in Lincoln Park is a total crime. We just talk about that. Like, they sent him to like Florida or like Louisiana or yeah. something. He doesn't live here. It's a crime. It's a he crime. Need, he, need, he needs to be just. He needs to live off of like Giordano's crust and. Portillo's like, hot dogs. And, and, like, pigeons. Jeez. Uh, I think, like, a realistic answer. Pigeons, not that, huh? Pigeons. Pigeons. Pigeons, baby. Not that I believe, not that I think that your answer is not realistic, and I hope that you become the next Bears owner and president for the next, you know, 50, 60 years. I, I mean, I don't really know too many, like, super rich people. Like, I'm hoping we get someone... I know that's different, but like with salary cap and, and all that, but I'm hoping we just get some person who just has buku bucks that wants to spend money, isn't afraid to, you know, isn't worried about, you know, attendance and merch. He just wants to funnel all their money into the. Do you, you know, know who I, do you know who that makes me think of? And I'll say this. I don't want a bunch of athletes to get together and buy a team. I don't okay. want that. Yeah, I don't want, I don't want that. Come in. No, I don't want that. No, that'd be the worst. Mark Cuban. Like that's the the popular thing you keep seeing every once in a while. Mark Cuban, you tell me he won't be in the South End Zone, which a bunch of like steel workers and construction people and people who should be like not at the game because they're criminals or, or like degenerates. He, you don't think he'd be partying with them, like shotgunning beers? Mark Cuban. 
Sorry, all the, sorry if there's any steel workers or any of that listening <laughs> to this podcast. We know you're not all criminals. <laughs> no, I'm saying they're not criminals. The the people in the south end zone are a bunch of degenerates, and that's where I always sit in the in the Bears game is the south end zone, and it's great. I love them. That's the episode title. Steel workers are all criminals. <laughs> episode one. Yeah, I, th- I like. I feel like that was a snooze, you know. Like I feel like like that's the only thing I've ever seen was Mark Cuban. You know, I don't really don't know any other super billionaires by name. So I guess we'll go with Mark Cuban, or you know, he's probably number two, and then Tim, you're number one on the list, and get a chance to snap her back to Chicago. That's that's rule number one. Can the alligator run the franchise? Because that he'd be better at making decisions than you know Ted Phillips and George McCaskey in Virginia. One snap, run the ball. Two snaps, pass the ball. Oh, run. Run. Oh, he's, he's hungry. Run. Give him give him some hot dogs. <laughs> I, I need to see an alligator with a, with a, a Motorola coach's headset on the sideline with a, a laminated just play get him like a, Just get him, like, like, put him up in a booth. He'd be overlooking the field, and, like, he had, like, sunglasses and, like, a cigarette in his mouth, like an old-school owner. There it is. It goes Tim Miller, Chance of Snapper, Mark Cuban. So Mark Cuban is third on the list. I'm going the alligator before Tim. I love it. <laughs> no, but seriously, though, in, in, re, in, in for a real answer, I mean, what Jackson's saying and what uh, Kevin's saying is, is just about right. Like, just get a guy who, you know, get somebody in there who, who has, yeah, like has no problem spending money because it's a guaranteed moneymaker. I mean, you're in, you're, the owner of the Chicago Bears, like you, you get, and especially if you get us, you get us to the promised land, you get us a Super Bowl win. I mean, holy moly, it's going to be one big party in Chicago. So, I mean, I just feel like it's, it's if you have the cash, and then you just gotta, you know, and if you want to be that person that's hands off, like kind of the McCaskies are, don't, don't just get, you know, hoodwinked by some random dude from the 80s and just let him just continue to stay there even though that we're going to be media mediocre for you know years like let's go get some wins like you know like nothing is worse i think also go ahead jack i think what also hurts the bears and the caskies is that like we alluded to this this is their only source of income is the chicago bears it's not like jerry jones who's who got rich in like the oil business and stuff who could just toss around money like it's no big deal like the frustrating part about the bears is like they they're just so fucking cheap you know and now they'll put a nickel on a anything and i i want an owner like tim said who understands that it's about winning and if you want the crowds to come you need to be able to put a product on the field I mean, think about it. The best thing that ever happened to the Blackhawks was their owner dying and their son taking over. It was just like, hey, we need a draft better, and we should probably put them on TV to grow a fan base. And that's and look what happened. They became a dynasty. It, it's simple things like that that like can transcend a, like an organization. Yeah, so two things. One, the first thing is I love the fact that anytime Jerry Jones has been on TV, I think the last two NFL drafts, it looks like he's in like a supervillain's lair when like they cut to him. Like he was on like a, a yacht that one year, and like I think this past year he just looks like he's just like in some sort of supervillain dungeon, just chilling with his like crooked eyes, waiting for see who they draft. 
Um, and then the second thing uh, about uh, the McCaskies and you know selling the team and all that is I I don't know if you guys listened to the um, press conference they had when they said that they were going to keep pace and Nagy and it was like a a big Zoom call that George McCaskey said that he has like his circle of trust in other owners in the NFL who he goes to for like advice. Why, why in the world would you go to another team? Wait, who's, who, are you serious? He, yeah, he said that he has like his circle. Like, I don't, I don't think he called it his circle of trust, but he has like, he said, I have a close knit, you know, group of, you know, owners of other teams where he can like, he can use them as resources. Yeah, they all invite him over to laugh at him. Yeah, exactly. It's it's dinner for schmucks. Like, oh, who's bringing George tonight? <laughs> it's it's like, could you imagine like going to? Uh, hey, Green Bay. Do you think I should draft this player or not? Yeah, you should totally draft him. Hey, uh, I have the third pick. Even though Mitch isn't projected to be drafted second, I should definitely tell my GM to trade up and trade yeah, to a rookie to get GM, two, right? Yeah, yeah to a rookie George, GM. Yeah. You should do that. Yeah. Hey. Like, do you think eight and eight is good? Yeah, you should just stay at eight and eight, or maybe really aim for seven and nine. That's always a fun season too. I just, I mean, you look at the Bears and you look at the ownership, and it's just—I mean, if we ever get a free agent, if we ever get a person that we don't draft, it's never because of the owner. And like you said, you mentioned even even though he's wacky, you got Jerry Jones. I mean, you got Robert Kraft. You got guys in the NBA like Mark Cuban who can pull guys and get free agents for you. Who can go and get guys like that? I mean, I you know, being in Arizona, my wife an Arizona Cardinals fan. I mean, their owners picking up JJ Watt on a on a jet and what you know to go see the facility before he's hang before he decides to coming here or not. And whether or not that swayed his decision, all I'm trying, all the point I'm trying to make is, if we ever have had free agents come here, it's because we're the Chicago Bears, or it's because of a coach, or because of defense or personnel. It's never been about since we've been alive. It's never been, oh, I want to come play for the McCaskies, and that's a problem. That's that's a problem. That's that's always going to be a problem. And them getting out of there is is a huge step to fixing that. Yeah, and I think that you know before we move on, that the Bears are like, the Bears are still relying on like, oh, we're the Chicago Bears, we're going to get people to come here because we're the Chicago Bears, but they haven't had the proven track record of success that, you know, people want to come here where the owner doesn't have to do that. Like, you know, the Packers are, can do the same thing. They can say, we're the Green Bay Packers, you know, the, the owner doesn't have to woo their free agents, but you can say, hey, they've made it to the NFC Championship the last three years, I'm going to go there, where if you say that about Chicago, it's like, hey, we we made the bonus playoff spot last year, and we're the Chicago Bears. We're a story tradition. Do you want to come here? These players today don't care about that. They want to, one, they want to play in a, uh, an area where there's no taxes. They don't get taxed, where it's nice out. And, you know, that I feel like that tradition, you know, that still might go be important to some players, but it's not as important as it Used to be, and I know a lot of oh, meatball I mean, fans are going to say, "I oh, it's the Bears are going to come out for the going to come out for the Bears." It's the you know Chicago like black and blue division. Like, know what? These eighteen year old kids don't care about that. Who are going to be the next stars? So, yeah, I I hundred percent agree with that. It, I mean, you're seeing that in sports nowadays. I mean, you don't see a lot of players stay after their one after their four year contract. It's it's very rare. 
you know, you see that a lot in the NBA and baseball uh, the most. Uh, and, like, it, think about it. If, if you're the Bears, you know, you just, what's your one selling point or a traditional franchise? You have the last two championships you've won were in 1963 and 1985. These kids <laughs> weren't even around. We weren't, there is a longer gap between 1985 till now then from 63 to 85. That's it. <laughs> the last two times we won a championship, Lyndon Johnson and Ronald Reagan were presidents. Like, it's been a very long time. And, you know, you look at the history of the Bears, you know, what, we make the playoffs every six or seven years sometimes? You know, to, to Nagy's credit, he's made it two out of the last three times, which is rare. Um, one of them was the bonus playoff spot. One of them was a bonus, and they backed into it because the Arizona Cardinals decided not to play that day for some reason. But, you know, it's what is your selling point? And, like, we don't – we play in the smallest stadium in the league, and that could be next week's discussion of what we should do about the stadium because that's that could be like an entire conversation. Um Soldier Field only holds 62,000 people. And last time I looked, living in Illinois, once it gets November, the weather's not fun. Get to go play in the cold at the spaceship down by the lake. So it's not... Yeah, the spaceship. Not not appealing for people who want to come and play here. Um, All right, so this podcast isn't just going to always be... It's going to be primarily about the Chicago Bears because, you know... Whether it pains us or not, we, we love them. They're our favorite team. Uh, but we also love baseball. I am a huge White Sox fan. Jackson and Tim, huge Cubs fans. So we kind of have both perspectives for each team. Uh, so I'll throw it to you guys first. Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts so far? Um, I know the Cubs just beat the Padres, I think, 6-1 to one today, and they're in first place um, in the division. So, Tim, what are your thoughts on the Cubs so far this season? I would have to say that my current thought is surprised. I mean, you looked at this team at the beginning of the season who couldn't hit, and now you're you're you know you have probably one of the best bullpen or best performing bullpens in the game, and you know guys are stringing along hits, and it's fun. You know, you you can get to the fifth inning with one of your starters and feel fine. I mean, you're going against the San Diego Padres today. You get five innings from a young kid in Azale, and you you get to just feel good knowing that you got guys that are coming in in the seventh, eighth, ninth inning that are going to lock it down for you. So feeling pretty darn good. I mean, why why aren't we? We're, we're you know starting this podcast and both of our teams are in first place. I'll take it. Jack, thoughts? What are, how, how are you feeling about the Cubs currently? I I I have not been this. It, it feels natural again, um, almost like a 2015 feeling. Now 2016 will always be like endeared to my heart and soul, but 2015 was so natural in how they they won games and how they they played, um, and like I think Tim would agree. I think all of us would agree because it was such big offseason news, is that you didn't know what direction the Cubs were going to go. Um, you know, they, they obviously had the core four uh, with 
Rizzo, Bryant, Bias, Contreras, and I, I'd even throw in Hayward in there too. Um, three out of five of them are going to be free agents at the end of the year. They just sold off uh, Victor Carantini and Yu Darvish, um, who were also had really good years the year before. They don't have Kyle Schwarber. They don't have Albert Almora. You know, it, it seemed like the the band was breaking up. And to be fair, you know, I've had conversations with Tim before. It's just like, well, you know, we do need draft picks. We do need prospects. Eventually, you do need to rebuild. And the the Cubs have said, screw you. We're going to play. And we're not, like, every best team that you think is better than us, we're going to sweep you. You look at the Mets, swept them. You look at the Dodgers, swept them. You look at the Padres, swept them. They rise to the occasion. They are finding ways to win. They are not relying on the home run ball. Now, they had, well, Sunday, or Monday, they they knocked the ball out of the park all day. But, um, like Tim said, they're, they're moving batters. They're getting okay pitching, but their bullpen has just been lights out, and it's been fun. It, it, it's, it, it's natural. It's a natural, fun feeling. Yeah, and as like an outsider perspective, I'm not obviously so outsider because I, you know, turn on the radio and you get the Cubs news whenever you want. But I just think that because the expectations weren't really there, everyone kind of expected the Cubs to, you know, be a second, third team in the division. You know, they traded away Hugh. You know, Chris is going to be most likely and still traded at the deadline that they just kind of you know, oh, the Cubs are, you know, their window's closed. And I think that kind of was like a breath of fresh air for those players who have been living with those expectations and obviously having come through the last couple of years with first with either uh, with the early round exits in the postseason. So I think that's, you know, a breath of fresh air. And since a lot of these guys are newer, they don't they, they don't really have that taste of, like, we've been there, we need to keep keep up with this. When you Like you had Azalea today, and I know he was on the team last year or pitched a couple games last year, but... You know, you have guys from new teams or younger guys who haven't been on the squad playing in big games. They don't really know that pressure, and they're just trying to win. They don't have to worry about that second, you know, voice behind them saying, "Oh, like you guys are the, you guys should be a dynasty. You've only won one World Series. Oh my gosh, you are, you know, what are you doing? You're blowing it or whatever." So I think that's it's it's refreshing to see. Like I'm not a Cubs hater. I know there are a lot of White Sox fans that just you know poo-poo on the Cubs because they're the Cubs. But obviously, when we play you guys and you never want to see win then, but um, it's, it is nice to see. It's just good for Chicago baseball to see a su- two successful uh, baseball teams going on. So I'll give my take real quick, and then I'm sure you guys have a lot of, to say about the White Sox, especially with that uh, that drunkard who's running the, running the <laughs> team right now. But so I'm, I, 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 heard, I heard he's still lost in the parking lot right now. The, the, I, how he stays up for. I mean, I know we haven't been on the West Coast in a while, but how he, like, stays up for these late games, I would just think that he's just, like, dying to go to sleep. Like, anytime there's an extra inning game, when the when the start's at 7-10, he's probably just like, oh, my God. Like, Well, he doesn't know the game. rules for extra innings. That's, That's the true. Yeah. Let's, have, let's have Liam Hendricks run out there. But I'm excited. We're in first place. Um, I think that – and we'll move on. Like, the next part of this will be one uh, thing – one – positive expectation you had or one uh, surprise and one thing you're disappointed in for your team. Um, 
but yeah, I'm excited the Sox are in first place. A lot of great things have happened and come out of, you know, bad things like Eloy coming out led to uh, Mercedes coming up and batting like crazy, even though he's in a little bit of a slump now. Um, so I'm just excited that the Sox are in first place. I know that they lost two games to the Indians, which I feel like there's always that time in the White Sox seasons if they're going to be good where they just lose close games or just lose games that they need to win to the team that's in second place. Usually just, it's the they're Twins. They're streaky. They're streaky. Yeah, they're, they're streaky. Like, you know, their pitching isn't really clicking right now, so hopefully that all changes. They get a nice – I think they play the Tigers coming up next. Um, so hopefully they can write the ship there. But um, do you guys have anything on the White Sox other than Tony La Russa is just causing unwanted controversy? I, I heard this take about La Russa, and the guy who framed it, I, I, how he wrote the article, I, I don't think he was wrong, but it might be a leap, and I wanted to get your opinion on it. But it seems like La Russa sometimes purposely causes controversies, to take away the pressure from other athletes, right? Keep, keep the controversy on me. I will be the ultimate deflector. The only problem is Larusa will sometimes put his foot in his mouth and then throw two or three players under the bus, which is not what you're supposed to what do. What do you mean I can't put my foot in my mouth? Yeah. I'm a Hall of Famer. I, I've had six cocktails. I'll try it. Um, it does seem like he he does do that because like you don't hear a lot about like the White Sox struggles as players as much. It's always Larusa, 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 and like we know like the White Sox are streaky, right? They are a team that's going to be built on hitting the home run ball. They they already have, you know, they have a lot of young players. I think Andrew Vaughn is possibly someone who could be a rising star with the White Sox. Um, in the outfield, he's already a better fielder than uh, like uh, Eaton and uh, Eloy. Once Eloy comes back, um, but I think the White Sox' biggest struggles will be: will they live up to the hype? Right, and you know the 2016 Cubs had such a target on their back, and they lived up to it. Right, they actually won the World Series, which is very rare. <laughs> That's never happened in our lifetimes before. But it's very rare as a team when you have that pressure and you come through. And this is still a very young White Sox team. Can they live up to the hype? What happens when they get into that tough stretch in like late July and August, where there might be on a five-game losing streak and they need to win a series on the road? Um, That's my biggest question on the White Sox. Is like can that maturity level really, like, turn around? And it should because they play in such a weak division. And, like, they're a fun team to watch. I mean, they hit dingers left and right. So. I think they're, they, they have, like, their run differential is, like, it's 25 like plus more runs than the next closest. It's, think, it's crazy. They're, like, the a Sox, plus 79, I think. Yeah, I think the Sox have done a good job, you know, with, kind of similar to what the Cubs did in 16 and similar to what the Cubs are doing now. You got these huge, big injuries to Eloy. You got these big injuries. You know, you got Anderson going down or Brea going down. I mean, there's always seems to be someone getting hurt and every, you know, not, not skipping a beat, just coming back, coming up next man up the guys that they grab, you know, like even like Jake Lamb could come in for a night and do well and all these different things. So I think, 
the one thing that they got going for them that's that's working is also the guys that aren't hurt, the ones that are slumping seem to be like their guys. I mean, like, I mean, Giolito hasn't even really come into his own yet, and you got to think like, you know, he's he, you know he was their best pitcher last year. He's gonna he's gonna turn it around, like. I don't see the buzz from Anderson as much. He's he's doing he's doing all right, but he's not like, you know, he's not the Timmy Anderson that we've seen in the past years. And it's just like out of all the guys in the clubhouse, if there's any guy that's like not it right now, those are two guys that if they're not hit, if they're not hitting it in May and June, you feel pretty good knowing that they'll probably turn around when the heat really gets you know pumping. For sure, yeah, you know, having I agree with that. Them. Yeah, having Billy Hamilton and, you know, uh, you know those lesser guys who get lesser playing time come out and have big games definitely kind of helps out that situation. I think the biggest loss you had was Luis Roberts. That was the one, like, Eloy, I, Eloy is a tremendous player, but he's probably eventually a DH. He should be a DH. Roberts won a gold glove last year. I think, you know, once he started kind of started starts figuring out more at the plate, which we all know he has the power. And to see that injury was just, oof. I mean, that that was rough. And I think this is a White Sox team, and I think this was where Lusa's, the idea of him coming in was like, he knows how to handle teams with high expectations, right? As much as I hate the Green Bay Packers, I hate the St. Louis Cardinals more, and that's also due to part because of Tony La Russa. Um, but those, tar- those Cardinal teams knew how to play. They know how to win. The problem is, is Larusa past his prime, and is he going to hold back the White Sox? Because this is a team, and I don't see... I think the Twins are still a couple years away. I think the Royals, while they've shown promise, they're still about a year or two away from competing. This is The White Sox window is open. It's open probably for the next two or three years before those main contracts start coming up. Can Larusa adjust his game to the players to help them get over that edge? Yeah, we'll see. Like I, I think I've been on the record, not obviously on any. Audio now you are on the record. I'm on the record now. Now okay. you are on the record. I'm on the record. Calling here first. The I don't think that the Sox are going to win the World Series this year. I just think that I think that they. What I would like to see, not expecting them to win the World Series, is to win a or multiple series in the playoffs um, just to get that experience because they lost in the three game series last year to the A's or whatever it was. And then they were out. So you kind of really didn't get to see anything. So I think that they need that expectation. Let, let me ask experience. you this, Kevin, let me ask you this. I'm, I'm going to ask like a twofold question here for you. Do you think this team reminds you of like the 2015 Cubs where it's just like, it's young. It has some, some veteran pieces, you know, obviously Rizzo and Abreu are always your cornerstones. Um, but you want to win a playoff series like the 15 Cubs did, and then you kind of build that next year. And like, okay, now it's game time. Now we know what it's like to win the playoffs, but now we need to get over that hump. I think that's a great example or a great uh, comparison. I think that they, you know, they do have a very high high expectations from, you know, People saying that they're a top five team in the major leagues, but yeah, I think that most importantly they need to build playoff success. You know, and if they if they ended up 
winning the World Series and they prove me wrong, I'd be obviously very happy. But I think <laughs> yeah. that's, that's most important that they get they get a taste of what it's like to win a or a couple series to see what it actually takes. You know, you're not going to be able to, you know, you're not going to be beating t- teams twelve to three in the playoffs. You got to grind it out. You got to be smart on the base pass. You get you can't have dumb fielding fielding errors, which I feel like all of baseball has now. Like, I, do people forget how to field? But that's kind of what I'm expecting. So. See, I, I'd almost, I'd almost rather have, and I'm obviously hindsight here, but I'd rather have that like 2015 Cubs testers with the Cardinals and the Pirates all season, because that's the one thing with the Sox, like you're gonna play these teams that are kind of cakewalks, especially coming down the stretch where you play a lot of these teams, and then you're gonna hit these, you know, Tampa Bay Rays in the playoffs and all these things. So you're just like, you know, are you getting tested enough? You know, whereas the NL is pretty stacked this year and you're just like, you know, I, I would hope that are you getting tested enough? And that's where it lies to me is with the coach. Like, you know, are you making sure that these guys got their heads on straight, that they're really looking towards it? And again, they're grown men. They'll figure it out. But like that's where I, sometimes I feel like those seasons where the cream really rises to the top really kind of shapes people and shapes those players. And you know, we won't see it with this division this year. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a good point, like Tim. Like, if you look at the 2015 Cubs and the NL Central that year, you could say that's the greatest division of all time because the Cubs took third. We forget the Cubs took third place that year in that division with 97 wins, right? And they would have missed the playoffs, you know, every you know, in previous years, but in you know in 20. I think what what was it 2012 they expanded it to the add the extra one card uh, playoff, so you know they, it, it's 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 weird that uh, you have these two playoff teams and we can always talk about playoff formatting and how that's going to change in recent years for another podcast. But I think what hurts the White Sox is Tim's right. You don't have that team you're trying to catch or you're trying to push off. Now the Indians have definitely made ground in the past two weeks and. But is that sustainable? Can the White Sox get that, you know, that five, six game lead on them and then continuously coast off of it? I think what's interesting about the Cubs division right now, if you really look at it, you know, we're so hyper focused on the Cardinals because the Cardinals are, you know, a good club, but the Brewers are only a game and a half back. And, you know, you have a couple bad games in a row. And pretty soon we're talking about the Brewers are in first place. Everything so I- becomes more important. Everything becomes, you know, like just again, what what do you, what, what's you know, some people are opposite, right? Some people would love to golf with somebody who's worse than them, so they can just feel, you know, like they're taking a stroll. They can just, you know, they're just hanging out. They're just hitting their shots. They're doing whatever the heck they feel like. And some people want somebody right next to them that's going to be competing with them so that they're bringing the best out of them. It really just depends on who you are. I know that there's a lot of competitors out there that like to feel that, that like to feel that fire at all times that want to make sure that, you know, that they, they, you know, it, it, it's got to feel nice now with the smartphone and all that. to like always have to be looking at the scoreboard and always be looking at something and going, Oh wow. Okay. The Cardinals won today or not. I mean, yeah, you shouldn't be caring about what other people do, but I feel like sometimes that helps, but I mean, it depends on the kind of player you are. Yeah, we that, should we should we should be scoreboard watching on June second. Yeah, like we should be scoreboard watching on June second. 
I think yeah, you know what I'm saying, though. It's not like scoreboard, scoreboard watching in that sense, but like, you know, can't, knowing that, hey, you can't take skids here. Like, let's go. And again, grown men, they know that they can't be losing 10 games in a row no matter what, no matter how bad your division is. I just feel like sometimes, you know, the pressure makes diamonds, you know, sometimes. And it definitely worked out for Mitchell Trubisky. We brought in Nick Foles and yeah. oh, God. pressure, and he came in and he balled out. Now, I, I will say this. This month of June for the Cubs is – the schedule is going to be very daunting. But it's going to be fun. We already got, already got through our one of our hardest ones. Got through we one of them. We them next week. But, yeah, yeah, we I mean, play them this, yeah, we play them next week. Um, you know, the Giants, if they could split the series with the Giants, I think that's a win. If they take three out of four from the Giants, I'll be ecstatic. And, you know, if they win – if they sweep the Giants, I will eat dinner on my roof. Um, but four games. Got to send a. You got to take a video of it. If they, if you sweep the Giants, you got to send a video of it. We'll put it on Twitter. I, I will. I will eat dinner on the roof if the Cubs sweep the Giants. What would um, you? What would you have on the roof? Whatever you know. Whatever Linda's making. You soup. know, soup. Maybe some spaghetti. Uh, hey, I, hey a, mama, make some roof food tonight. <laughs> you know, toss me a burger. Um, but you know, this is gonna be a tough series. And I think we forget about the AL, uh, the NL West. Excuse me, is that the Padres and the Gi- or the Padres and the Dodgers, who got a lot of offseason hoopla, are not in first place. It's the Giants. That's gonna be a good series. Uh, this is another team that's very much like the Cubs, very you know timely hitting, scrappy, has a good bullpen. Um, I think this is gonna be a tough series. I think this is gonna be our, this is the series that we need to circle. If we can split or win this series, that's a win. You continuously build that success. We have two West Coast trips this month, which is very rare in one month. Anything to wrap up the Sox Cubs before we move on here? Yeah, I think just uh, so real quick. You know, I don't have to get too in detail with it. Just one thing that you're, one thing that you guys are surprised about, like in a good way for the Cubs, and then one disappointment for the for the Cubs. I'll, I'll go first for the Sox since there's only one of me. My biggest surprise is Carlos Rodon. I was, you know, kind of whatever about him be getting signed. It was a one-year deal, but he's obviously came in and pitched great. So. He's my big surprise, and then my disappointment's been the bullpen. I feel like they've been hyped up that the Sox bullpen was going to be great, you know, best bullpen in the league, and they just come in. Anytime I watch them, it's just like I'm looking at guys with, like, seven ERAs and just, like, you know, throwing balls right down the middle or walking guys. Like, Bummer hasn't looked great t- at times. Evan Marshall, Hendricks has blown a few saves. So that's probably my my, my big positive is Rodon. Mercedes is probably going to be there, but he's been slumping. So I'll go with Rodon and then. The bullpen's been my disappointment for the Sox. Tim, how about you? So, big surprise got to be got to be bullpen, and then the fact that the Cubs are just bringing in young arms, young untested arms that are showing up. I mean, Stewart starts a couple days ago and has a great start. Alzelay's been great. You got uh, Keegan Thompson in, in the bullpen, who's doing fantastic. Just really something that you never see from the Cubs: developing young arms. Um, disappointment. I mean, you can go with the easy Darvish, you know, not having Darvish right now really 
kills it because it shows that maybe Jed Hoyer might not know where this direction's going with the Cubs. But I would really say that a big disappointment for me as I look at my Dexter Fowler World Series ball right next to me is we still don't, we still don't have a leadoff hitter. We still don't have a leadoff hitter, and I thought that was going to be Ian Happ, but the guy just hasn't shown what he should be. We need a leadoff hitter. We need. A, I don't need somebody who's changing every so often and this and that. Good teams have a good. They have a leadoff hitter day in, day out. So we need a leadoff hitter. Jack, what's your one disappointment, one uh, surprise? Um, I totally agree with the bullpen and young arms. I think that's probably my biggest surprise. But just be different uh, than Tim. I will say, the ability for this team to not skip a beat. Um. When Anthony Rizzo, Nico Horner, and Jason Hayward go down within the same within two weeks, oh, that's tough. Um, but they just keep finding ways. They, 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 I don't know who the hell Patrick Wisdom is, but he keeps hitting. He got another hit today. Um, and it was like a check swing. He didn't mean a hit, but it found a hole. Um, you know, th- that next man up mentality has been fun. Um, it's helped them win a lot of close games. I think them winning close games, which they were losing a ton of close games uh, a few weeks ago, um, they totally flipped the s- script on that. Uh, it probably the same disappointment. I, I really can't think of the biggest disappointment. It would probably be just the direction over the front office. What is if if they have a successful June, right? If the Cubs come out, let's say a 500 or above 500 June. Do you go make a trade for a, a starting two pitcher or another lockdown bullpen guy or another guy who could possibly be a leadoff man? Or do you just say, you know, I, I, I don't think Jed Hoyer, exp- I don't, I don't think Jed Hoyer um, expected the bears to be, or the Cubs to be this good this year so far. All right, so before we, we uh, we'll end our podcast power rankings, we just kind of some quick uh, national sports news that we can kind of go over. You know, we don't have to spend too much time on them, but some things that we kind of wrote down were this, the, the crazy fans in the NBA just, I don't know if it's just because people are just excited to be out of the house from COVID and they're just having too much to drink, but it's just been nuts with all the people who have been, you know, thinking that they could just do whatever they want at NBA games. Uh, some other things, Julio Jones wants out of Atlanta. I think he gave like a list of 16 teams that he wants to play for, pretty much anyone who's not 16? bad. It was like a list of 16 teams, and the Bears were on it. So I'm, you know, not that's that That's half the league. That's literally half yeah. the league. I know. And I, hey, if he comes to the Bears with our $5 million in cap space, I'll be happy. But um, some other things, Tim Tebow is – Existing in the NFL, he's on a team. He's playing tight end. Dumb. Uh, Coach Dumb. K announced his retirement. John Shire is going to take over, and then you know pitchers have been putting glue, or you know, I don't know what they're. It's been a big thing. Pitchers have been putting stuff on their mitts. James Karinchak from the Indians. There was a big close up on his mitt. It's with the whole spin rate, Trevor Bauer thing. So, is there anything that piques your guys' interest from those news stories the past few weeks or so that you want to touch on? I'm going to go off on Tebow. Um, now, I I always liked Tim Tebow when he was at Florida because he was fun to watch. I liked the Florida Gators. 
growing up. But the idea of Tim Tebow at in his mid-30s playing tight end, in which he's never blocked, he's never ran routes, he's never learned an offense from that perspective, and now you're going to throw him in here because he's a good athlete, is an embarrassment to football. He'll look good doing it, though. <laughs> he's going to get someone hurt. He looks pretty. He looks pretty good. He has. He I, pretty I, and I was really thinking about this today. There's, there's two op, There's two things. One, if you're only going to put him on the field because you know he can't block, that means you're going to do some type of like trick play, and then your defense is already know like, okay, he's useless. He's not going to block. Or if you actually think he's going to block a 23 year old like defensive player in his prime, you're insane. <laughs> you're insane. And you're and you're really are you really willing to put Trevor Lawrence in that position where it's like, well, sorry, Tim Tebow couldn't block for you. Sorry, he got you killed. Are you really gonna sacrifice the entire franchise player in Trevor Lawrence for Tim Tebow? Come on, dumb. And it's a, isn't it nuts that he has the number one selling jersey right now? Like, of oh, of players? course he does. I, I texted that to Kevin a couple weeks ago. I texted that like the first thing I saw. He has like the his away just jersey, like, his home jersey. He has like the number one and two, maybe even number three. No, he does not. I, so I, I, I think that the image or whatever I saw, it was like he has like the number one and two, I think even three like is, jerseys. Is Lawrence, is Lawrence being out fields? I think Fields is ahead of him in terms I think of jerseys. Fields is, I, I think Fields is the second jersey. I would, I would, I would say if Field, or I was gonna say if 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 it was like Tebow, Tebow, Lawrence Fields, I'd be like, where the hell are all these Jacksonville fans coming from? If they're not Jacksonville fans, all anyone who's buying a Tebow jersey is like a 18, 19 year old frat kid who wants to wear it to a frat party and you know just basically troll and meme and hey, I have a Tebow uh, Jaguars jersey, just like the same people who have like. Jordan socks jerseys and you know all that sort of stuff. It's like I don't get it. <sighs> dumb. Yeah, dumb. I dumb. I think my closing thoughts on at least one of those uh, news stories is the Julio Jones thing. And without sounding boomerish here, on you know how like oh can't Hall of Fame guys stay on their same teams anymore? It's not so much that. It's just like you. you I mean. This is a case of a team doing everything right, which scares me. Like, I mean, they gave they gave Julio Jones an extension, right? And then he wanted more money in his extension, so he they gave him more money. And then they st- they could have gone with another quarterback. I mean, heck, they could have drafted Justin Fields. They almost they probably almost did, or Lance, or whatever. I mean, they could have gotten one of these guys and said, "Oh, we're rebuilding." But no, they they threw their money at at Ryan and said, "Hey, we're going to stay competitive." And Julio still wants out, and it, that stinks, you know. Like, as a owner, what are you supposed to do when you when you give a guy a bag and you say, "Hey, we're still running at a at a you know at a uh, Super Bowl and or you know playoffs?" I mean, I get that you have to go through Tampa Bay and all those things. It just stinks that you you got a player who you know won't reciprocate that and. It sounds like he wanted their coach still. He wanted uh, they wanted the, he wanted the old coach, and so it's like it's not like oh you, the, he's mad at the Falcons for keeping a guy who you know couldn't win. I don't know. It just it irks me, and I hope that the Bears don't have to deal with that or any of our teams have to deal with that. Where you, you know 
you got a guy who's a superstar and you take care of him and you're still competitive and he wants out. I mean, like, yeah. what can you do? This just reeks to me of, like, you know, Pro Bowl, uh, wide receiver gets traded or goes to a new team, has, like, one or two good seasons, and he just, like, fizzles out. And you're like, oh, hey, remember when Julio Jones was good? And you're like, oh, yeah, and now he's on his, like, 10th team. So that's kind of how I see it. I think he'll probably produce for whatever team he goes to for a little while, but I don't I don't know. I don't see him keeping up the same numbers, especially not playing in, in turf with... He turns uh, 32. Exactly. And he's, yeah. he's a, he'd be on a team with Calvin Ridley, uh, Kyle Pitts, Matt Ryan still there. Um, hey, man, I turn I turn thirty. And I could still throw my this football over those mountains over there. All right. Oh yeah, okay, Uncle Rico. If I think if I try to throw a football or baseball with any sort of speed, I, I my arm might fall out. So playing playing competitive dodgeball two years ago, I, I, I my body has never been the same since. I think I've probably torn multiple rotator cuffs, multiple UCL, whatever, anything anything a pitcher gets surgery on. I think that's probably like throbbing oh, in my body. I hurt my hip today when I was running, and I'm like, this sucks. And then there's this kid who is like three doors down from me, and I guess he played football at uh, Missouri, and I think he was an outside linebacker or safety. The kid's like 22 years old, and he's he's a brick shit house. And he goes on a run, and my mom's like, oh, you should try to run with this kid. I'm like, screw that. That kid is a prime athlete. I couldn't hang with that kid anymore. Are you kidding me? Well, I'm. If you have a bum hip, I'm gonna be at your house watching you try to carry your bowl of chili up a ladder when the Cubs sweep the Giants this upcoming <laughs> series. So I would love to see that. Bowl of chili, baby. <laughs> or with something just messy, as I'm hoping for. Oh um, the, yeah. thing the thing I'll say, I'm a. Uh, for those anyone who doesn't know, I'm a huge Duke Blue Devils fan. Coach K's retiring. John Shire's taking over. He's been in the program. He's pretty much been the assistant since, you know, he ended his playing career with Duke. So, you know, it's time. He's old. He looks really old, like really, really old. So he's due. The Duke's still going to get big recruits. It's not so much Coach K. It's the name of Duke. So, you know, congrats to Coach K. I'm deciding to retire. Uh, great career. Just hope that Duke keeps up the same success, which I'm sure they will. Um, and now to the fun part of the podcast, which I think we're going to do this every single podcast, is we're going to power rank top five uh, some sort of category and maybe possibly give one worst of a category. So today uh, we're going to power rank our top five Bears players of all time. And I and I wanted to preface it, preface it by saying favorite, not necessarily best. You know, could be, you know, you could think that uh, Curtis Enos is your favorite player for whatever reason. It doesn't have to be best player. So we'll just go around, do our, give our five, four, three, two, one, and then we'll give our worst at the end, give a little explanation uh, after each pick, and then we'll, we'll go from there. So I'll go first. My number five favorite Bears player of all time is Olin Krutz. I just think that so – it was so nice to see a mean, nasty lineman who just like, liked to get physical. He was solid. He showed up every, every day. He was consistent. Um, that's why he's number five. He's not, nothing really flashy about him that would make me like him, but um, Olin Krutz was my number five pick. Just because he's consistent, mean guy. He's done, he does some pretty good commentary when he calls in the Chicago radio shows. So, Olin Krutz is my number five favorite Bears player of all time. Uh, Tim, who do you got for five? For, for five. Uh, for five, I put, you know, just because of what he, when he came in, this team went from, you know, zero to hero 
Khalil Mack. I know that he's I know that he's brand new. It's, it's not over yet, but just what he was able to come in and do to Aaron Rodgers that first game, which we still ended that up losing. That was so, so great. It was, was just, ah. it was like, Bears don't get that. We don't get a player, that we don't just get this player in free agency who's supposed to be all the hype, and then he is all the hype and then some. Even on a bad season, he can throw Tristan Wirfs around. Pretty fun. So, he still made a Pro Bowl there. last year. Yep. You, you, uh, you make my number five. That's the most high and low I've been watching a game probably in the last five years, that <laughs> Bears-Packers game. Jack, who you got number five? Uh, I'm going to go old school. I mean, like, dinosaurs. I'm, I'm just picturing all of your picks being with guys yeah, I've never heard yeah. of. I went, with, I went with guys that I saw, but... <laughs> hey, oh. did, you, uh, did you hear about Dick Knickerbocker? He was my favorite... Uh, well, this guy... Bears this guy played with... Receiver. This guy played with... Uh, that guy. Uh, I'm going to go with Red Grange. Um, there's no NFL without Red Grange. Um, I wore 77 throughout high school and middle school and elementary school when I played football. Um, he is the first OG Chicago Bear. He's the first legend Bear. Um, and I'm super excited now that the Chicago Bears decided to sell his jersey online, which they never did for years. Even when you try to customize it, they would never allow it. Um, and I think when we look at like great athletes, um, he is definitely in that mold for his time. And like I said, he's the first real superstar of the Chicago Bears. There's no Chicago Bears without people like him, George Hallison, like Bronco Nagurski. So good pick. I mean, that's I don't know what he looks like, but I'm sure that was a great pick. Uh, so my number four pick. <laughs> when I'm in a lineup, I don't know who Red Grange is. It should be just some president I've never heard of. You drove Red me Range. home last night in Uber, man. Red Grange. Red, Red Grange sounds like a senator from like Michigan. That I can see that. That's the that's the reason why I don't. You know, kudos. Hey, to I'm Red Grange. I'm from Dearborn, Michigan. I'm your senator. Big shout out to you and everyone who knows and big Red Grange fans, but I mean, I yeah, know Red Grange. Don't worry, I'm not from Detroit. Vote for me. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you put it, if you gave me five pictures of like old black and white pictures of people, oh, do you know, we might do that for next week's podcast. I, I'll tell you right now, I ain't getting it right because Red Grange. <laughs> you you'll probably get the theme that all my guys have played in the last twenty years. So that's fine. That's fine. So my number four, as you move on, uh, my number four is Jay Cutler. I know he gets a lot. It's a lot of controversy with Jay Cutler in Chicago with his attitude and, uh, and an NFC Championship game. But he's the best quarterback I've seen play for the Chicago Bears in my lifetime. That one season, I forgot exactly what year it was when before he got hurt trying to tackle that cornerback uh, or whoever intercepted the ball. He was just balling out. The fact that he's like divorced now and just like living his life in Montana feeding chickens like that just makes me like him even more he's always he's always seems like a nice guy and I don't know Jay Cutler something about Jay Cutler watching him play I know he's made some boneheaded throws but just watching him just like bomb a ball 60 yards to whoever it was just made me yeah whatever bomb put him on my list tell Martz I said <laughs> fuck you exactly exactly and that number four I could bump him up but number four Jay Cutler Tim who you got 
Uh, kind of a repeat of your number five. Uh, Kroots made my list at four just because of all you mentioned. I'll make that easier. Just that that smash mouthness and just, you know, being that guy to, you know, be there, you know, always under, you know, seeing the guys that were under center during his career. Just wow. And then just mainly also love him on the postgame show. And I've loved what he's done for our franchise after being a bear. And, you know, taking Mustafer, taking guys under his wing and and showing that, hey, we could have a good offensive line if, you know, you just actually like put something into it. So somebody please give him a job, please. In definitely not afraid organization. to call out bears when they're yep. just trash. So that's definitely Give awesome. him a job in that organization, please. Oh, uh, hit it. Him and Doug Buffon are the best at, or I mean, R.I.P. Doug Buffon. But yeah, the, I, and that's the thing: when you love something, you, you're not afraid to call it out. And either of those two guys were uh, number four. I'm sorry, I'm an old school guy. Um, is Dick Buckus? He is the Chicago Bears. He is the face. He is the the gold standard of what a linebacker should be. I mean, the guy killed people on the field and the image of the chicago bears runs through a person like dick buckus right tough gritty blue collar we're gonna win games 13 and 9 and you're gonna love it and we're just gonna out hit you and out work you and dick buckus played on some shitty teams and he's still a hall of famer um I mean, Kevin, I know you have a Dick Buckus jersey. I was going to say, good news. I do know what Dick Buckus, Dick Buckus looks like. <laughs> so that is, he's, you're, you're definitely. And another Illinois-born guy, too. There you go. U of I. I-L-L-I and I. Yeah, both Fred Grange and Dick Buckus with <laughs> U of I. So, so that, means, that means Jeff George is next on your list, right? Uh, no, no, no. Let's not go there. <laughs> Uh, my number three, and I just want—I didn't mention this uh, before we started—is that just, just barely missed the cut was Matt Forte. I feel like he gets disrespected so much, you know, by not being mentioned in anything. Like he's such a great running back, but Matt Forte. Sorry, you didn't make my list, but you were—you were five B. Uh, but my number three, Devin Hester. I mean, just being in middle school, high school, watching him sit back there and just like expecting something crazy to happen was awesome. So just, you know, that highlight reel ready to jump off at any point is the reason why he's number three on mine. Like he, he was, he's must see TV is like corny and, you know, overplayed is that, um, is, you know, anytime that you're, you're punting or kicking off, you had, you, you couldn't like walk away and go to the kitchen and get something. You had to watch Jeff Hester, you know, make this return and just, you can watch the highlight clips on YouTube, whether it's from him at Miami or with the Bears. And I know he had some returns for the Falcons, I think it was. But he was just musty TV, electric, just electric factory, number three, Devin Hester. Tim? I mean, you say you're 5B, and now mine looks stupid, but mine's Matt Forte at three. Hey, that's uh, that's uh, why they're our own personal picture perfect, Picture perfect consistency. Um, would be someone that, if he was in today's NFL, would absolutely be a top two back but oh, 100%. I mean, yeah he just I mean he was before his time and he just was on Bears teams that you know he was on some good offensive teams but he was on some bad offensive teams and he always got his never cried about it you know 
ne- I mean, finished games always seemed to always get hurt and just finish games. Always got his a thousand yards on the season. Guy was picture perfect consistency and. You, you know, you like we. I don't feel like we ever had like holy moly, like Nick Foles uh, against the Rams bad halves when we had Forte. Even if we had you know a crappy backup and center, you know Tommy Pickles, Jimmy Clausen, whatever. It, we had Forte. It was fine. You know things were things were going well. Couldn't we had him on the field? Also, big shout out. Never met the guy before. Obviously, why would I have ever met him? But seems like an all around great dude. Works around Chicago. It seems like does a lot of charity work. So definitely add on to that the praise of Matt Forte. Oh, absolutely, three. guys, class act. Jack number three. Um, it's Gale Sayers. His highlights are. I could watch his highlights all day. It, it's it's like watching how he was able to run and break away from runner or defenders and it's crazy that the bears had probably the greatest draft of all time in 1965 with they drafted Buckerson Sayers back-to-back picks and they didn't do anything about him and it's a tragedy how Gale died this past year and it it irks me that the bears never honored Gale Sayers they didn't wear a patch And, and I get like oh it's it's whatever but, like, to not do anything for Gale Sayers, to not wear a patch on their jersey to represent that, like, I mean, the guy suffered a horrible knee injury in the middle of his prime, came back when medical technology was nowhere near where it is today, um, and still was productive. He's the youngest player ever inducted in the Hall of Fame. Um, and... Uh, I have his jersey. Uh, um, I love Brian Piccolo uh, for <laughs> the people who've seen Brian's song. But uh, Gale Sayers is my number three. Solid choice. Once again, I know who he is. Uh, obviously, Gale Sayers. Most football fans know who he is. Definitely great. Great pick. Great running back. Uh, tragedy that he passed away. Um, so, yeah, definitely a solid pick there, Jack. Uh, my number two is we're getting down to our top two before we get to our least favorite. And I have a feeling that we're probably going to share some similarities in that least favorite pick. But uh, oh, I'm already <laughs> brewing, Kevin. I'm already brewing. We my know number... who it is. We all know. We, we're all picking the same guy. We all know right, who just, it is. I'm just like on the edge of my seat. My number two, um, I don't know. This might surprise people who are listening just because like, I feel like this is an easy pick to be number one. But Brian Urlacher is my number two. He's just... You know, obviously, you know, you could go down the list and just, like, list his accomplishments, all his Pro Bowls, you know, you know, and the, how great he was as a linebacker who transitioned from, I believe it was strong safety. Is that, am I correct, out of New Mexico? Or was he a free safety from New Mexico? I think he was some type of safety, but, yeah, some he was from safety. New Mexico. Yeah. But table to transition to that, come to the Bears, like, people didn't know who this, you know, guy with this crazy last name was to come be the best, one of the best linebackers in our story tradition of being – a great football organization that has great linebackers. Um, you know, I just seen him line up with Briggs for the, all those years. It's just been, you know, a great Bears memory for me. You know, I, so Brian Urlacher is my number two, um, even though he might not be the best role model as an athlete, but I have always said, I don't care if athletes are role models. They're, you're there to entertain me. So Brian Urlacher, my number two, great Hall of Famer, obviously 
great billboards if you're going down to O'Hare or going up to O'Hare, depending on where you live. She's there everywhere. It's like five in a row. He's got a great do on his head, you know, whatever the program he's using. I forgot what it is, but Brian him, Lerner, him, him, and, him and Ryan Sandberg are just making a killing off those billboards, man. I don't I don't think I've ever seen a Sandberg one. It's just literally, you know, when we were and I would pick up, you know, my wife from the airport when she was going on work trips, it was just Erlacher, 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 hair, hair, hair. So, you know, maybe that maybe that plays into why he's number two, his, you know, presence and presence on my routes to O'Hare. So Timmy, who you got? Number two favorite Bears player of all time. Hard to hard to do two and one for me. Hard it was really hard to pick between the two of them. But number two is gonna go to Charles Tillman, Peanut. Peanut Tillman's gonna be number two for me. Just you know, picture perfect what you want with with the Bears and how you want to be afterwards. And again, not it doesn't always have to be what you do off the field, but the guys a you know, awesome, awesome guy. And again, just from seeing and I mean the guy was overshadowed by Nate Vasher his first, you know, couple years and then he got torched by Steve Smith in that in that playoff game. Who was their quarterback, the Panthers, Jake Delhomme, right? Jake Delhomme. Probably. Yeah, Jake yeah, yeah. And Peanut Tillman got absolutely torched, got torched in the media and I was like, "Well, why wasn't, you know, Vasher covering, you know, Steve Smith cuz Vasher was having that, you know, pro season that year and then to just come back and then be just an absolute model of consistency for that defense, the peanut punch. I'm going to have a peanut punch t-shirts. I mean, there was some just absolute great turnovers that he was a part of. And it's so fun. It was always so fun to watch him and see what is this guy going to do? Is this guy to get guy going to, you know, go get that ball for me very much kind of like what 2018 eddie jackson was like this guy that's gonna you know make and create these turnovers for you that's gonna get you up off your seat and is gonna make it so that you don't want to go get some snacks while we're on defense that's when you want to watch the bears go ahead Jack. that's absolutely solid pick charles tillman you know yeah i i love peanut i love peanut um one of my all-time favorites. Uh, my honorable mentions, because I know you guys mentioned your honorable mentions. I had like two, which were Lance Briggs and Mike Brown. Um, and my number two pick um, is someone who played with them. Kevin, it's yours. It's Brian Urlacher. Um, to have that superstar player when you play, like when you were watching the Bears and you can identify, uh, to see him now in the Hall of Fame is awesome. Uh, the guy changed linebackers. No one can be 6'4 and run sideline to sideline and cover wide receivers and cover tight ends and cover wide, uh, running backs like he could. Um, he played on great teams. He played on some really shitty teams, but he always delivered. Um, definitely, I think the model for a good linebacker in today's NFL is if you have two really good defensive tackles. And, you know, when the Bears had two good defensive tackles, Earl Acker was really used to show his strengths there um it's a damn shame he didn't win a super bowl but brian Erlacher is my number second pick you know solid choice matching up with me definitely all, all of his credentials you know i think the biggest part like i think i mentioned this before is that we were able to see him play it throughout his his entire career with the bears and through our you know the early years of our bears fanhood which is great to see um Definitely solid picked him on Charles Tillman. He probably would. Have, he's also one of my honorable mentions. If I, there's probably could have been 20 more honorable mentions, but um, 
I'll just go in my number one. Jack, I know I was razzing you on, you know, all these old people, old players that you picked, but, you know, I think that my number one pick, I think, even though I've never seen him play, I think it just transcends whether or not someone has seen him play. It's, it's Walter Payton. It's sweetness. It's, like I said, I've never seen him play before, but just seeing his highlights and just knowing what he means to the Bears, hearing stories from my dad about what it was like to watch him play when he was uh, with the Bears, you know, there was an, never such an athlete that could block, that could run, what that could run for, you know, finesse, that could run for power, that could throw. He, it's just Walter Payton. He's the he's the Bears. He's will always be the Bears, even though I know it's defensive gritty city, defense first. But Walter Payton, number thirty four, you know, it's just it's got to be sweetness. That headband, you know, it's a shame he couldn't score in the Super Bowl, even though. You know, they won it, so who really cares? But you would like to see Walter Payton get that touchdown in the Super Bowl just kind of as like a cherry on top of his amazing football career. My number one favorite player of all time, Walter Payton. Tim, who you got? Number one. Hey, and it was, it was, it was uh, you know, the one thing that was weird was like you never got to see him play, but then when he died when we were kids, it was like, holy, you know, holy shit. You like felt it, even though you never had any connection to him, you know, whatsoever in the sense of you never saw him. But absolutely, you know. Um, but number one for me is uh, your guys' is number two. It's going to be Brian Erlacher. I mean, guy Hall of Famer, seeing him when he grows up, just seeing that leader. I mean, seeing those amazing defenses just led by him and. Um, just, you know, always, you know, offense is doing something and they're cutting to Erlacher in the season when they were going for that defensive record and then they sat all the starters and they, and they weren't going to get that record. Where are they doing? They're, they're going to Erlacher. Like Brian Erlacher was the bears. He was the bears for a good portion of my life. So it's got to go Brian Erlacher. Absolutely. Solid pick. Can't go wrong with Brian Erlacher. Obviously. One of the best Bears of all time. Jack, all right, finish us off with your number one favorite Bears player of all time. You know, the Chicago Bears are known for linebackers and running backs. And if you notice on my picks, that's all I had was running backs and linebackers. But the number one line of running back of all time, the greatest running back of all time, is Walter Payton. And, Kevin, you hit it on the head. It's someone who I never watched play. Uh, but the legend is bigger than who he is, and he lived up to the legend. Um, if it wasn't for a person named Michael Jordan, Walter Payton would be the biggest sports figure in this town. Um, he is everything you want in a football player, um, and he played on some really bad teams, and he still delivered. Um, he's, he's the GOAT. He really is. Walter Payton. I mean, I have two of his jerseys. It's Walter Payton. <laughs> I mean, you can't go wrong. Just seeing this, just go and watch his highlights on YouTube or whatever. And if you're just in awe for whatever duration of time the highlight tape is. He never ran out of bounds. Could do it all. Imagine having him in fantasy. That'd be pretty nice. Oh, God. All right. Now what we've all been stewing for, our least favorite bear of all time and now before we before i say mine and kind of get into it i just want to ask both of you a question does the first name of the player you pick start with a c yes absolutely does the last name of the player you selected also start with a c you know it 
The yeah. C? It's wait. The, the, it starts with a C or a P? Does the is the first initial C and is the last initial C? Yeah. We know who it is, man. So are we? I'm all agree. It's Chris Conti, right? Chris Conti's the worst bear of all time. Is that who you have, Jack? No, I I, I misheard you. Uh, no, I he is in my top three. He's not my top one. Oh, okay. Well, then we'll save yours for like a little extra sweetener, since you little you tantalized us there. So we'll just we'll we'll just. He's on the we'll, list. Conti's on. Conti is three for me. So we'll spend There's the next no few three. moments. I don't want to think I mean, he's about number... three worst bears. We're wrapping this thing up. It's Chris Conti. Guy freaking sucks. He's a, tra- a trash can's better than this guy. <laughs> yeah, he, fell, you know he fell down and he ruined my life. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You know what? Now that you say that, Tim, Jackson, you're wrong. Whatever you say will be wrong. Mine was Cody Parkey. Mine was Cody Parkey. Yeah, I mean, you don't get to go on the stupid you know whatever today show and oh you, yeah he went on good day america whatever and then cried and complained like it, it it's different if you miss a kick i get that that happens even though i was at the game where he hit the upright four different times okay i'm never gonna forget that and it also helped that i was had a few two beers in me but cody parkey after he double doinked it decided to go on a daytime talk show and complain about it Awful. That that's where you lose it for me. That's where you lose it. Chris Conti is my third one. My second one put the Bears in a hole for years, and they never really recovered from this. And it's Cade McNown. Cade McNown was so effing bad and awful. I think I blocked that. Portion of Bears history. Yeah, now you're gonna, now you're gonna have some like PTSD tonight about Kay McNown. The only yeah. thing I the only thing I remember about Kay McNown and that I want to get sixteen touchdowns, to... nineteen interceptions, fourteen fumbles. I was so pissed about <laughs> Kay McNown. <laughs> he never terrible. There's two things. They put him in backyard football too. And I never oh, picked him. That was gonna be my. He was like he had like, <laughs> if the if his stat if the stats were like passing, throwing, running, whatever, and like the the meter was like ten footballs. Kenny Kawaguchi was better than that guy. One <laughs> of his stats were more than like three footballs. I was like, why am I picking this guy when I can pick you know Ernie Steele, who's got who can, at least four. It's just like yeah, the, that the fact that he was. He- they get rid of. I was so pissed because my first Bears jersey was Eric Kramer, right? Who was an average quarterback at best. But I loved Eric Kramer. And they cut him to give the starting spot to Cade McNown. And it just blew up. It was so bad. And you look at the quarterbacks that were drafted in that. Like they could have got Cade McNown, and they didn't. And, or not Cam McNabb, they could have got Donovan McNabb, or um, I forgot who else was in that draft. Randy Moss was also in that draft, and they didn't. They got Cade McNabb from UCLA, and I think he lost the Rose Bowl really bad that year to Wisconsin. And this bum put the Bears quarterback trend, he set them back years. So he's number two. How about this, Kevin? Let's just name our five degenerates, because that's what... Why does Daniel Jones take a lot of flack for for 
giving up the ball. And you got a guy, 16 touchdowns, 19 interceptions, 14 fumbles. How is that even a possible? I was at a game. I remember one of my earliest memories as a kid. <laughs> he threw four touchdown passes. I think he threw three or four touchdown passes to Marcus um, Robinson to the Lions. It was one of the I one of the few games he won as a starter. I think he only won like four or five games as a starter in two years for the Bears. So, K. McNown, you are my two. Uh, how about this, Kevin? Let's just name these degenerates because they don't deserve special time or praise. So, my top five is number five is Cedric Benson. Just walked out. Number four, Jamarcus Webb. The guy couldn't even tie his shoes and got Jay Cutler murdered every single game. Are you game. naming him and now you're describing it? What are you saying here? I, do you know what? Because I had a I had a vent. I had a vent with Jamarcus Webb a little bit. Because I think we forgot how bad Jamarcus Webb was. Chris Conti, Cade McNown, and Cody Parkey. Dude, I I, I would have bet lots of money that you would have had Chris Conti just because like we've been bagging on him ever since we saw oh, him lace up his. Don't up get his me cleats. wrong. Don't get me wrong. It was not easy choosing Cody Parkey and Kay McNown above Chris Conti, but those two degenerates beat out that trash can. You, you know what? I think you, you might be making the case for Kay McNown just because, like, it's way more funnier to me to hear his name and, like, just bag on him and Tim give the stats about him. But So I pulled up the, the backyard football game he was in. These are the pros that he's also with. So... There's and I think this is backyard football 2002. So in that game, the pros are Drew Bledsoe. Was he like just drafted? Why was he so high in that? I don't. Game? I don't know. Did no, he, he wasn't just drafted. He was just he was drafted in like 1998, 1999. His dad must have like been on the board at Humongous Entertainment or something like that. I don't know how the hell he got on this roster, but just so number one, Drew Bledsoe, Terrell Davis, Brett Favre. Rich Gannon, Javon Curse, Donovan McNabb, Steve McNair, Junior Seau, Ricky Williams, and Cade McNown. One of those does not even belong in the same stratosphere as those players, and it's you, Cade McNown. I also remember I, I, there was like a sports almanac. Did you did you just say that his all of his stats were fours? I don't I don't know. I just made all it all of his stats were threes. <laughs> It had to be like because I'm no... looking it up, and Kenny Kawaguchi, the kid in the wheelchair, at, <laughs> at, at catching and running and kicking at three. So. <laughs> I, I, well, I, I don't even think I don't even think K McDowell was in the league in 2001 anymore. I think they let him go, and he never signed with anybody. So, do they just give him like a deal to get on like a, a computer game and be like, "Hey, here's like an extra couple bucks for you because we know you're unemployed." Uh, whatever sports like analytics guy they had and said like, Hey, we need some young guy who's going to be good in the future. Like give us a name. And whoever said Cade McNown, he better not even be anywhere near the video game industry. He better be just, you know, a completely different career with that. He's, pick he's, he's probably running the Knicks. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm sure they lost by, right now. But the other thing I was going to say about Cade McNown is I remember this, there was like some, there was like a sports almanac at the library at my elementary school. It must have been like the 2000 or 2001 sports almanac, and there was a picture of Cade McNown puking uh, <laughs> during a UCL UCLA game, 
And I was like, oh, that's the guy the Bears have on the team. And then, you know, it just all makes sense from there. That's a, that's a, good, that's a good foreshadowing. That's I'm a good reading, foreshadowing. I'm reading, I'm reading his bio in Backyard Football. Little Cade McNown can do it all. He can run. He can pass. He can catch. He's just as comfortable as safety as the as quarterback. Maybe that's because he throws to the safety. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and then his intro is, I'm Cade McNown. My mom signed me up for all sports, but I like football. <laughs> so, so he's one of those kids who plays every sport, but he's not good at every like at any of them. So Cade McNown, if you're listening to this, join the podcast. We'll talk about it. We'll 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 get you. And let's it. get. I would love to get Eric Kramer on to like hear his thoughts when that they cut him for Cade McNown. But okay, besides, uh, this is enough I've ever mentioned Kay McDown's name. Okay, probably no, the yeah, past yeah, yeah, eight you, years. You have to watch this because I'm watching more of his intro, and it said he goes. In school, <laughs> we had to write our names. In school kindergarten, we had to write our names and present it. I wrote Kay McNown. It means football, and I like football. <laughs> <laughs> You know what's funny? That's actually the the audio that they got from his interviews from the, the You know, if Chance the Snapper wasn't doing the interviews, uh, that wouldn't have happened. But uh, you know, uh, George McCaskey was like, "Oh, you like football, huh?" <laughs> so like, do I. We're gonna draft you. All right, Tim. Who are your degenerates? I, all I have to do is say Chris Conti, man. That's it. The guy yeah. ruined it. The guy ruined it. Just absolutely ruined it. Packers game ruined it. At your house on the couch. Yeah. 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 It was was... coverage. It was zoned or vice versa. Oh, uh, it was. Randall yeah. Cobb lost the end zone. I. I mean, I, I don't even live far from you, and my, the drive home that was the longest drive home I've ever had in my life. I don't think you drove because you're pretty drunk. That's probably true. Yeah, I think you got picked up. <laughs> Oh, and then, and then he proceeds to go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and gets... And then he got stiffed on a Monday Night Football. Keith Miller or someone like that. Yeah. Jesse James from Steelers or something like that. Crushed him. It was great. All right. So I think this... I feel like we're just rambling now, so it's probably a good time to end the podcast. Wait, have Kevin, do you have do you have a five degenerates? Uh, Chris Conti, Cade now now, and then just three more... Sopping wet Chris Conti's just lying in the mud. <laughs> so I feel like let's end the podcast now. Um, if you want, you can follow us on Twitter at Team Bear Podcast. If you want to interact with the show, send questions that we can answer. Um, you guys have any final thoughts or statements from the last uh, week or so about sports or anything you want to sign off with? Cubs sweet. Come sleep, I'll eat dinner on the roof. I was just going to say, I want to see that. So let's go, baby. I think we can all hope for chili or soup or just something messy on the roof for Jackson. <laughs> Pictures better be there in your in your uh, Red Grains jersey if you own one of those. Now that they're selling them. Um, I'll, I'll say this. Shout out to uh, Chelsea FC for winning the Champions League. Ah, oh, screw uh, you. Oh, uh, yeah, big... Tim, Timothy over there, Man City fan. Shout out Chelsea FC. Uh, you know, I, everything's going on on the up and up for them. So, highly doubt. Everything, we'll talk. Everything's coming up, Millhouse, huh? That's right. I highly doubt we'll talk much more soccer than that. 
Um, you can find this podcast on any of the major podcasting sites, Spotify, Apple, Apple uh, Podcasts, and such. Um, other than that, Team Bear Podcast over. Team Bear. Go Bears. Team Bear. Thank you, thank you, and go Bears!